UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And this podcast is going to veer off from our normal discussion of uh, supporting Michigan athletics and trying to be positive and talking about uh, the regular news surrounding the program and really hit on some some real serious topics. So um, be prepared for some in-depth discussion. And uh, and so uh, first thing up, um, Clint, uh, this has been swirling around for um, for a while now and, and it's and has really come out as some of the reports have have been released and, and more articles in the media but um, there are pretty serious allegations that a, a Dr. Anderson that was affiliated with the University of Michigan and uh, specifically the athletic department for a number of years um, uh, is accused of doing some some pretty nasty things and some some really inappropriate things to University of Michigan students and athletes and um again there there's a there's a lot um that's come out um he has passed away but uh this started in the late 60s and uh went through his entire career at at Michigan and uh it appears that uh at various times um you know, concerns were made, complaints were made, and unfortunately, um, while he was shifted around from position to position, um, nothing really serious was done. So, um, so Clint, uh, first off, um, you know, what are your thoughts when you first heard about this? Well, it's it's traumatic for for anybody that you know, has had any type of similar um, situation to deal with, you know, whether it's themselves or a loved one or, or just somebody that they care about. So it, it was um, obviously incredibly sad to, to have to, to go through it um, in an or, with an organization and institution that we, that you and I especially are, um, you know, care so much about, you know, the, the specifics of uh, of what specifically um, Dr. Anderson did are, are horrendous and 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 awful and really difficult to even uh, even read and it uh, kind of morphs quickly into just incredible disappointment in in an institution that I think we uh, we hold to to a much higher standard than that. Um, so those are the initial f- thoughts and feelings. Obviously, and and I think that those kind of remain the foundation of what I think and what I feel about all of this as as we uh, kind of talk it out over the you know the course of this episode. But that's that's really the core of it is that it, it's awful and horrendous, and my heart goes out to anybody that um, that was affected in this specific case or in any case like it. Um, and and that disappointment with the institution and the people involved in the institution for not uh, not reacting strongly enough is um, is also still present, you know. And and for me personally, I think I you know I'm a little bit disappointed in myself because when the Larry Nasser uh, scandal was was plaguing 
Michigan State and when the Sandusky scandal was plaguing Penn State, you know, I I definitely, um, you know, I jumped to conclusions about uh, what that meant for those institutions and, and, and made character judgments about those institutions and the people involved right away. And now it's my institution that's, uh, you know, in, in the negative light. And, uh, you know, so I probably should have, uh, thought a little bit more deeply and used a little bit more nuanced thinking, um, at those times. And I think that that applies pretty widely across our, our fan base. So one of the things I would encourage everyone listening to do is to read the report for yourself. Um, there are, again, there are things in the media, there have been different snippets, but um, it is some bitter medicine, okay? And the report is over 200 pages, um, which, which is very daunting, but really it's, it's the first 75 pages that is the conclusion, kind of the, the overview. And, um, you know, it's one of the things that I try to do whenever um, something like this comes out, you know, try to review the source material. And because, again, it's easy to read uh, an account and, and question whether it was sensationalized or how bad it was. It, it is some difficult reading. So, um, again, I would encourage everyone to, if you have an interest or if you've heard about this, to, to read it for yourself and, and make your own conclusions. Um, so, Clint, it's interesting because one of the things that really disappointed me about this is that this doctor um, not only dealt with athletes, but um, dealt with a number of, uh, you know, regular students, okay? Um, you know, his, his career um, covered both areas, right? And, you know, he worked for the university between 1966 and, you know, left in 2003, passed away in 2008. And, you know, the first thing I thought is, you know, I went to health services when I was a student in the early 90s. And, you know, uh, if, if in different circumstances, you never know if, if you might have run into this guy. Or um, I have friends who went to health services and, you know, knew people who were in athletics. Um, and, you know, you can look at the names of the athletes who've come out and you realize that anyone could have been victimized by this guy that um, he he focused on people who he had power over. You know, there were there were different groups, you know, uh, um, you know, particularly gay students who he victimized. Um, and, you know, there were concerns about, you know, if they were going to be outed. There were athletes who he victimized, who they were concerned if his negative feedback would, would damage their athletic careers. And, and I got to tell you, one of the most disturbing things that I read was, you know, in, in the early seventies, he was, um, victimizing students who were trying to get deferments from the Vietnam war. So here you have a situation where somebody goes to him and, uh, he's using his power to, to victimize them. And, you know, they're concerned about whether they're going to get shipped off to war and possibly be killed. So it's just, it's really, really bad. Um, you know, and you mentioned the Sandusky thing at Penn State and the, the Michigan State thing um, and uh, with Nasser, Nasser. And the thing about it is, 
listen, there are different degrees of bad, okay? But this is bad. And I think that's the thing that, that I keep coming back from is that, you know, some of the people who who I, I think are well-intentioned are trying to, you know, try to draw distinctions between, well, at least this didn't happen or it was different. Hey, listen, like I said, read the report for yourself. It was bad enough, okay? And the so, again, it, it, it frustrates me and, and I'm concerned that, you know, people I know could have been victimized people uh athletes you you've known could have been victimized and that somebody like this was able to prey on um on students in this in this community right and i remember i was talking to um a friend of mine when the um penn state story broke and the michigan state story broke and one of the things i said was okay listen this isn't just a big 10 problem right what is it about universities where this can happen, right? And here we have it at Michigan. And in no way am I trying to, to let Michigan off easy. But what I'm trying to say is how bad must this be, right? I mean, it can't just be Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State where this has happened. Um, and, and that's just, just really, really scary. Um, so, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll kick it over to you for your thoughts. Yeah, you touched on something there about how this is, you know, even larger than obviously the the Big Ten Conference in the Midwest geographical footprint, right? This is something that is uh, culturally rooted in in our country's history, um, with uh, you know people that abuse their power dynamic, and um. You know the the details change, but the but the core pillars of what's going on in terms of abusing your power for uh, personal, um, you know, for personal gain or for for whatever, um, you know, sexual fulfillment that you're looking for, um, those pillars are are, are rampant. You know, and, and there's been a a, a recent uh, you know movement or or kind of the unveiling of, of these deep-seated cultural issues and, and it's it crosses all boundaries and, and all lines it, it's not geographical it's not political um you know there have been there have been males and females you know in the positions of powers that are that are, are abusing you know these these relationships that's been um it's not just heterosexual it's um you know it's affected everybody or every type of person, um, and, and there's no way that that you and your your circle of loved ones and, and circle of friends um, can can be totally insulated from this. It, it's it's been so, it's been made clear that this is a, a really devastating and widespread problem, and we are just now starting to have some pretty difficult conversations, just like this one that uh seem to be you know in a strange context but it's something that's so pervasive that i think it's critical that you actually have to talk about these things and we don't necessarily uh have to agree you know you and i agree you know 90 95 or 99 percent of the time um you know but i think that there's a lot of value in just having this conversation and knocking down a lot of barriers to even confronting these issues 
whether it's yourself, you know, and advocating for yourself, uh, having been abused, or whether you're you're trying to stick up or support, uh, stick up for or support somebody in your life, you know, these are the types of things that I think need to become more and more discussed and part of the uh, the public discussion, public discourse, uh, because that is how you take away the stigma um, that was used to to closet these things that was used as a as a cudgel to keep um to keep people quiet and and i think we all can play a role in in facilitating and enabling these conversations even though it's painful and awkward and um it's not um it's not why we we tune in to uh to think about or discuss sporting events but some things are, are more important and I think we all have a duty to, to try to make it um, at least acknowledge that this exists and that it needs to be dealt with. And, and regardless of your platform, I think you should you should at least um, be informed and have a reasonable understanding of what's going on and, and what you can do to try to stop it. So some of the similarities between this and the other instances we discussed is there were opportunities to head this guy off, right? There were opportunities to shut it down. And, you know, as you said, there's there's a, a stigma attached to, you know, people, uh, all people. You know, you don't want to admit you're victimized. There are people who are, that you trust, who are in positions of power, who, you know, you think, did that just happen? Did I really think, did, did I really, you know, experience what I thought I did? And the people who did come out... Um, again, we're, we're really shut down. And, you know, I think about, um, you know, again, the Michigan State situation, the, the Sandusky situation at Penn State, and how close it came to nothing coming out, right? To where, like, even in this case, even after those highly publicized cases, uh, here at Michigan, it, it, you know, it took a letter to, uh, to, um, you know, the athletic department in, in 2018 to say, hey, you know, uh, this may have happened here and not may have happened here. It did happen here. And, you know, again, one of the reasons I, I really encourage people to to read this for yourself is, um, you know, in the, the U of M community, I've heard people uh, ducking this. Right. I've heard people saying, well, it's not that big of a deal or how bad could it have been? And 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 I want to believe I always want to believe that people have the best intentions that like you said it's it's something that's uncomfortable that they don't want to talk about it's again it's it's not fun right it's it's not you know we do these podcasts for fun to talk about Michigan and talk about the university we love and when you have a situation like this where they fell down it's it's not fun right and again it's just so when you when you look at the scope of the investigation and the number of people they questioned and the number of people came forward, um, again, it's a level of badness, right? It, it's it's a level of evil, right? This guy was bad, and um, you know, like you said, you need to talk about the stigma. You need to make you need to make it okay for people to talk about and discuss, so that hopefully it doesn't happen again. And and I think that, um, you know that uh that this guy would you know kind of be shuffled around through the university um is is really horrific 
And, um, you know, and again, not only did the athletes trust this guy and he exploited them, there were people in positions of power who trusted this guy. Now, you know, and this is where I think it gets a little thorny for me, right? In that ultimately you have people who are responsible and you have people who, who frankly needed to do better, right? And, um, I think this is where it really hurts because, you know, I know when I was looking at the Penn State situation, um, the idea that, you know, Joe Pa said, well, I reported it and, and you know, it kind of just slipped off the radar, right? Um, you got to do better. And, and you hope that um, while many of the people mentioned in this report, like, for example, the doctor himself have passed away, right? Um, Coach Schembechler has mentioned in this report. You know, uh, it said that he had he was notified four times in, in some way that this was going on. Right. You don't know. He's not here to talk about. You don't know um, what else he may have done. You don't know, um, you know, if there was any investigation. But the point is, is I think everybody could admit or everybody should admit. Yeah, the system should have worked better. Right. And I think in all cases, when we look at how bad this is and, and the other situations that we know about at Penn State and Michigan State, there need to be better controls and, 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 and better procedures in place. And it's, it's again, it's hard to read, right? Um, you know, the thing that, that comes to my mind is, so when you read this report, it becomes, um, okay, it, it's an easy conclusion to make. And, and they, and they say it, you know, point blank, this was a a law firm that was coming that was brought in to do an investigation, collect information. Okay. And they've identified a number of, of complaints, right? And we're not talking single digits. We're not talking double digits. It's a lot. Right. And one of the things they say is, Hey, listen, this happened over 50 years ago. We can't even track down all the people who, who possibly could have been victimized here but you have enough of a sample size that you know something really bad happened, okay? And, um, you know, so you look at that, right? Um, the other thing that they say is that when you read through this is, you know, the athletes knew about this, okay? This was a topic of conversation, a topic of, I, I'd say, uh, uh, grim humor, um, and... So for me, what what this really opened up, it, you know, the, the term is a can of worms, right? Is that, um, you know, they, they say point blank, right? That um, former athletic director Tom Goss declined to be interviewed, right? A number of people in the program declined to be interviewed. A number of potential victims declined to be interviewed because this is probably going to go, um, you know, to the courts, and this is going to be something that's going to be sorted out over the next couple of years. But here's the thing. Here's the can of worms that it opens for me, Clint, is it's one thing to be an athlete when this happens and to not step forward because you're afraid of your career being damaged. OK, but when you look at the time frame that this happened, OK, Tom, G Tom Goss was a football player. Um, David Brandon was a football player. Um, Ward Manuel was in the program. 
as these people transitioned to, to positions of power, if they had known about this, okay, and it's a big if, right? But if they had known about this, it kind of changes the, the tenor for me because it's one thing to be victimized as a student and not have power and be afraid to come forward. But as you transition through your career and you have the opportunity to talk and, and to change things and to look into things, right? Um, and again, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that as this moves through the courts, um, you know, some of these people are going to be brought forward to testify under oath. And it, it's, it's, it's a cloud over the program. I think it's going to continue to be a cloud and it raises a really lot of uncomfortable questions for me. Yeah. I, what you're, what you're bringing up, there's, there's really no name of any significance or, or, or power or, or prestige um, associated with the athletic program along the same tenure that, that this Dr. Anderson was involved with athletics that, that can't be put into that same exact scenario that you're describing. You know, that there's absolutely, there's nobody that is, that is beyond reproach or at least um, having to wonder about whether, what they knew and, and when they, and that's, that's the reality of the situation. Um, that's, there's a, I think of the impact in terms of one specific victim that was, um, that was in the newspapers, the local newspapers this time last year. And and he's a former player named Chuck Christian. Um, and and he was part of the, the joint lawsuit, uh, against, uh, the university and against Robert Anderson because he um, has been diagnosed with terminal stage four prostate cancer. And, and a big part of um, the impact for him is that he was so traumatized by what he went through uh, when he was a, an athlete at the University of Michigan that he refused to get um, a prostate exam from any doctor. And and the details for for this specific person are are, are literally life and death. That that the, the butterfly effect of what happened to him as as a student a student athlete at the University of Michigan has, has set him on a path where now he, he's he's fighting for his life and um, is just fighting to try to extend the, the number of days that he's got with his family. It's, it's, it's that heart-wrenching and that important that when he was a student in the late 70s, had somebody been able to be an advocate for him and for people like him, that he, his, his entire family would be in a totally different stage right now. So in that context, in, in, in that you know, anecdote, you, you, you can see why the importance of legacy or the importance of uh, pride in the institution or um, the path of least resistance or institutional norms and, and protocols and pr- procedures, why all of those fall away. And, and I would expect people in leadership roles to know what is critically important 
um, when faced with with whether to come forward about something like this and whether to to utilize the platform or or whatever they have at their disposal to be able to try to do the right thing in these cases. And, and you know, Bo Schembechler, um, the, the first book that I read about football, even tangentially about football, was Bo's Lasting Lessons. And, and that used football and his stories about being a football coach to really write about how to be uh, a great leader. And that really cemented, um, you know, my my admiration for for Bo Schembechler as a man, as a coach, and as a leader. You know, but he talks specifically in that book that you know he he says you know the CEO of a company is going to tell you that he didn't know and, and plausible deniability, and if that's true, then all that he's saying is that he is incompetent. Because if he didn't know, he should have. And now, in in this context, it, with this, you know, set of details, uh, those words are still true, even when applied to him. Not only as as you know, an iconic coach for you know two decades, three decades, um, but as the athletic director after he was done coaching, he was the athletic director and had a direct responsibility to know and, and to try to step in and do something about this. And then even after he wasn't in an official role, he still had a very unofficial yet um, severely powerful role within the athletic department and in the university and in the city of Ann Arbor. So um, there's there's no other way to say that, that no no person involved in the program um, gets a free pass or gets to say that, that they didn't know. I, I think, again, that that concept of, of doing the right thing no matter what and plausible deniability is not, um, not the standard that um, our institutions are the leaders and the best. So this um, becomes, at least at some point and in some fast a, a failure of leadership for for anybody that was in a, a position of power um, during this doctor's tenure, and, and I, I don't know. We'll, I know that we'll talk a little bit about okay. So now, what does that mean, and what do we do from here? But um, to try to argue that uh, that's just how it was, or you know, we don't know who knew what and when. Um, those are true statements, but you, you should know, you should have known, and you should have um, listened to the people that came to you with complaints, and and you had a duty to at least investigate that as thoroughly as possible, and to try to support those that were that were being taken advantage of. So there's there's literally nobody involved in the university that I think could say that they are not at least within uh within the realm of questioning from a legal standpoint from a civil standpoint um but at least in in, in public opinion and, and moral judgment uh nobody gets a free pass in in my mind absolutely and you know one of the things i struggle with clint is 
you know, again, I'm an alum, as you are, and one of the things I, I took away into my professional career is, you know, Michigan grads change the world. We speak truth to power. And there's no question that you can't ask, right? And as much as I admire Coach Schembechler, you know, and again, I was thinking as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, I've taken similar lessons. Um, You know, one of the proudest days of my life, uh, you know, I I organized a series of events for the University of Michigan uh, School of Engineering, right? And we had one of our events at Michigan Stadium in the stadium club. And uh, as I was introducing, uh, speaking, introducing the event before uh, the governor came on to give some remarks, I talked about how important the team, the team, the team was and how I had learned collaboration and teamwork from uh, being a fan and watching Coach Schembechler at the stadium. And I gave this speech while I was looking out at the field and um, it was really kind of an awesome moment for me, right? To be talking about, you know, my ideals and my beliefs at Michigan Stadium, right? In front of a crowd. And, And I believe that. But I also believe that while there are explanations for why things weren't done, they're not excuses. And there, there's a responsibility to, to do better. And, you know, as I think about the team, the team, the team, the reality is, is that some of those people on the team were let down. And, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to coach, to talk to Coach Schembechler, you know, many times before he passed. And what I was always struck by was his candor. And, you know, I got to believe that uh, even he would admit that that things should have been done differently. And it's going to be a hard reckoning as, um, you know, and again, I I look at what happened specifically up at Penn State. Um, I had some pretty uh, firm opinions on what should have been done. And frankly, I have strong opinions on what should be done here too. Um, You know, I think... Um, you know, John Bacon wrote, uh, very well on the topic. He said, you know, um, Bo probably didn't, Bo didn't need a statue when he retired and he probably doesn't need a statue now. Right. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the reality is, is that as much as I admire coach Schembechler, you do have to look at the whole picture and there are definitely some things that, that are going to need to be addressed. Now, what I will say is, um, that should be done in, in some kind of public forum that um, the good and the bad can be looked at. And because, again, it is important for this subject to be highlighted, right, to be to be focused on. And in my mind, everything is on the table. OK, I have not made a conclusion one way or the other. But when I hear, you know, I was on campus earlier this week and um Someone who was someone was close to the program was lamenting like, wow, they want to rename. They're going to rename, end up renaming every building. And I'm like, well, if that's what it takes. Right. Because maybe we didn't know then, but we know now. And once you know, you can't forget. You can't ignore it. You, You have to honor those victims. And most importantly, you need to put a stake in the ground for never again. Okay. Um, 
how organization, in, in my opinion, how organizations are judged are how they come back from mistakes, how they respond. Because there are always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be shortfalls. But it's how you recover, how you admit your mistakes, and how you move on. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, every time I go into Schenbeckler Hall, I get a kick out of seeing the bow statue there. Um, I'll tell you, Clint, uh, you know, I, I, I work out every day, and I have a, a rotation of T-shirts. And a couple T-shirts uh, in the future is my bow shirt. And I feel a little different right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to think on it for a while, but it's definitely, you know, it's a moment for pause. And I'm really surprised at the people who are insistent that, no, nothing's going to change and, and he didn't do anything wrong, right? Hey, listen, read the report, okay? If it was one of your relatives or one of your kids, I, I don't think you'd feel that way. Um well, I, I, I can certainly appreciate, and and I'll say even just directly, thank you for for, you know, expressing your opinion directly and clearly, and and standing behind it, and, and but also, you know, having the wisdom to uh, to speak with enough nuance, and, and to be humble enough to say that that you 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 still need some time to to digest and think about these things and uh you know everybody's allowed to change their opinion over time especially with uh you know beliefs and 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 feelings that are really really deeply rooted both positively um when it comes to you know the institution and and the the football program at michigan um but also how negatively and 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 hurt you you would feel um with uh with the release of this report and all of the problems and the empathy that we feel for for the many 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 victims um, that that it were affected. So I think you should be commended for for being able to put it out there publicly, um, but also with enough nuance that um, you, you've clearly processed it and are thinking about it um, thoroughly. I would say, you know, and and for me. Um, in the same manner, um, I'll start, you know, at the top with, with, with kind of large scale and, and socially, you know, in terms of our society. The first thing for me is that maybe we are too quick to put somebody's name on a building or attach it to a title or to build a statue or to, to totally um, idolize um, our most important cultural figures. You know, that, that was my first kind of high-level um, thought to, internally for myself. You know, that, um, you know, everybody uh, is capable of making mistakes, small mistakes, large mistakes, many, you know, one at any time, nobody's perfect. And I think sometimes as a society, we are too quick to lionize people and then, then whitewash our history um, without really the full context of a person and what they meant and, and especially acknowledging the shortcomings that, that may exist. And, and 
I think you can really ramp that statement up when we start talking about sports and start talking about football and college football. All of those things just get uh, exponentially more deeply rooted. We really lionize our, our, our heroes, our, our historical figures, cultural figures, coaches, players, um, and, and it's understandable, but I think going forward, we probably need to think a little bit more carefully about how we honor the people that deserve honor. You know, um, I don't know if it was my choice right now. I don't know if I would remove the, the statue of Bo Beckler. I don't know if I would change the name of the building. But if you had asked me six months ago, I would have laughed and said that that's ridiculous even to think of. You know, so just the just that shift in my own thinking is 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 a pretty major shift, and and I'll I'll personalize it in, in this way. You know, I have a son named Bo. It's not uh, it's not random chance, happenstance, coincidence that his name is Bo. Now, I don't associate my son and my son's life, my son's legacy, and my son's name directly with uh, the coach. Um, for the University of Michigan, but there are roots there, right? It was an inspiration um, to even think of that name for, for our son. And we both liked the sound of it and liked, um, you know, what what Bo meant um, as, a, as a leader and as a man and as a coach and as a cultural figure. You know, I can tell you this, I'm not going to rename my son because of this problem. Um, he... He knows, you know, where, where, where the genesis of his name is from, and he will uh, he'll continue to grow and learn more and more about um, Bo Schembechler and where his name came from, and he'll know the all of the great accomplishments and the the traits that I that I revere the most about Bo Schembechler. But when the when the time is right and when he can really wrap his head around a, a nuanced conversation similar to this, he'll know about the shortcomings too. And, um, you know, that's that's a big part of it. And, and I think if we can anchor our thought process in, in just not whitewashing the history of our public figures and the people that we revered, um, then we'll be much more healthy as a group, as a family, as a community, and, and as a society, so that for me, it's much more about acknowledging that this was a major shortcoming and a major failure, and that it impacted scores of people and families, and, and even became life and death for for people that were involved. And you have to acknowledge that um, that pain, and, and that um, the people that had leadership roles at the university, um, you know, fell short. And that that matters. Um, but just like I think it's looking back now somewhat silly to idolize these figures, I think, um, you know, taking away that idolatry and, and those statues and the names on the buildings as uh, retribution is uh, is just as equally short sighted. So um, I'm not sure what the correct solution is. But I know that it has to be, um, it has to acknowledge the, the pain that's been inflicted and it should honor first the, uh, the, 
the fight and and the trauma that um, the victims have had to endure for decades, first and foremost, because we're all we're all people, and we can all empathize with that first, and then make sure that it's included as a long list of, of very positive traits and accomplishments for our historical figures, but also uh, not erased and not whitewashed and not swept under the rug when talking about the legacy of football coaches and, and people that become cultural icons, um, regardless of, of who they were. So, and Clint, well said. I, I think it's interesting because I was having a conversation with my wife about this topic and she made a great point. She said, you know, I don't know if it's a really good idea to name anything after a person moving forward, right? Like, because, um, and I don't know if, if you can't do it ever, but you really need to think about, because we're, we are talking about humans. Everybody has failings, right? And, and some are greater than others. But it is something definitely consider, like you said, like, how do you pick the people and what are you really uh, honoring? Right. As you said, there's definitely or I think we can agree, there's definitely many things to admire about Coach Schembechler. Right. Those things haven't gone away. But I think um, we have a context. Right. We have, well, there was all this good, but there's also this over here. And you know what? That just makes him human. Right. And I think that. um uh, you know, again, I'm sitting here in my den and I'm surrounded by Michigan pictures and, um, you know, uh, uh, my family loves Michigan football. My dad, uh, you know, was a huge fan of Bo. Um, matter of fact, right in front of me, I was looking through some paperwork and I found a, a drawing I did for my dad, um, you know, when I was in grade school of, of coach Schembechler, you know, and of course I mangled his name, go blue. Right. And it's, it's sitting here with my, my, uh, pictures of things I think about as I'm writing. Right. So it definitely impacts. And, but again, you grow up and you realize that, you know, there's, there's nuance to people and, uh, I don't see how you can ignore the victims here. Um, so in a similar vein, you know, we have the, the, word breaking this week that um, another Michigan icon, Fielding Yost, um, there, uh, there's a, a move or a, uh, an effort to, a recommendation to remove his name from uh, Yost Ice Arena, right? And what's interesting, Clint, is, and just as with the report for Dr. Anderson, I would uh, encourage people to read the report on this. Because the way it was covered and the way the fan base was talking about it was very different than than what I see here in the report, right? Um, and and you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this part, right? Um, based on the findings of our historical analysis and reflection on our principles, we recommend unan- unanimously that the name of Fielding H. Yost be removed from Yost Ice Arena. Goes on. We recommend that all existing accounts of his career on campus include the information about his role and the benching of Willis Ward. And, you know, here, we believe it fair that the memorials to his accomplishments as a coach and the leader of the effort to build Michigan Stadium, etc., be maintained, but the above information be included. 
We further recommend that the more detailed information, more detailed biographical information about Willis Ward be made available to the campus generally and in the Willis Ward Lounge in Michigan Stadium. And for those who aren't aware, um, Willis Ward was an African-American football player and um, Michigan was going to play Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech let it be known that they didn't, they weren't going to play the game if he played and Fielding Yost supported um, him not playing. Right. And this was um, when Gerald Ford, you know, future president played on the team. Um, this is a very well-known event in the Michigan community. This is not anything new. And there are other things that, that, that are mentioned in this report, but that's the most prominent, right? But when I read that, that seems like a reasonable response to me, right? Because, um, and again, I, I don't, I don't know how this informs what's going to happen elsewhere, right? But like, you know, when I think of Yost Ice Arena, you can't put Yost Ice Arena asterisk, you know, think about this other stuff, right? Um, you know, this is a, it's interesting because you, you mentioned that, you know, that this, this is a topic that should, should cut through political, um, uh, ideologies, right? Well, one of the things I'm hearing is, oh, well, this is cancel culture. Listen, they didn't say, let his name never be spoken and be stricken from the record. They just said, you know what, with our current values, we don't know if naming a building after him makes sense. Right. And while acknowledging the other things that he did, the other interesting thing in this report is it says, hey, this is how we're looking at this today. We further acknowledge that people may come after us and come and have different views. And, and so it was interesting when I read the, the actual report of what they were saying about Yoast. Now, there are things I don't like about it. Right. Um, they reference much of the work by John Bacon. And didn't talk to him directly, right? Didn't and didn't give him a heads up they were using his work. And not that John Bacon's the ultimate authority on anything, but if you're gonna use somebody's work, um, you know, one of the things I always think about is when I when I talk to John, um, which which I have the honor of doing, it's it's one of the best things about covering Michigan sports, is that I've always said what I'd really like to do is read the extended drafts of his of his novels, right? Because he goes through multiple rewrites, hundreds of pages get deleted, you know, for, for space reasons, for clarity. So for somebody who's written extensively about Yost uh, and the history of Michigan hockey, I'm wondering not only, uh, you know, he interviewed many people who, who knew Yost. He, he read many of the initial, um, you know, sources of information. But what else were in his notes that you don't know, Right. And it's not that you need him to um, give an opinion, yes or no, or what to do, but what other information do you have, right? You're, you have somebody who's been a professor at the University of Michigan, a professor at, the, at Northwestern University, uh, uh, written for the New York Times, written many books on Michigan. I would think you'd want to know what else is in his archive, right? So that's one thing that bothers me about how they did this. Um, also, it bothers me that, hey, Here's the report. You have a month to comment. And I think they've already decided, which, again, my whole point is, hey, you might want to think on this and, and, and think about the best way to move forward. Right. So there are things I don't like about it. But when I read this, I'm like, yeah, this is actually kind of somewhat reasonable. Right. 
if, if I don't like how they came to it and, and the process, I can look at, at the conclusion and, and, and see some, some value in it. Yep, I think that that's understandable for sure. Uh, I'll start uh, a couple things. First, again, starting kind of generally, you know, cancel culture, quote unquote, and all of that has now spun into uh, uh, an insight or, uh, or insult or a boogeyman that uh, we should be, you know, hurling as an insult or, or as a defense to, you know, what, criticizing what somebody else is doing. Um, so it, it's never, it's not to me that the word has lost any, any sort of, of specific meaning that would be of any real constructive use for, for the type of conversation that I think we would want to have. Um, that, that's just my own personal opinion. Um, again, it's a failure of, of utilizing nuance. To, to think and speak about these types of issues. Um, if somebody did something bad in their past, um, then that makes them human for sure and is probably a, a more stark uh, criticism of our, our rush to uh, you know turn turn people into heroes and then then whitewash them and and, and, and forget all of their faults. So, you know, I think that all of that still applies. Uh, specifically with Yost and, and the situation with his uh, you know, shortcomings as a leader and his inability to step up at a, at a critical time for one of his players who, um, you know, was in a position that, you know, he needed uh, an advocate very similarly, um, you know, with the power dynamic. You know that was—it's a pretty stark shortcoming, shortfall, and it should be. I, I I agree wholeheartedly that it should be included in the conversation because it's accurate, because it is part of the history of of Fielding Yost's career and legacy. Um, the impact that it had on that player and, and how that player felt about it at that time and how that uh, affected his development and, and turned in and how he utilized that to, to, uh, to grow into a man and a leader of his own is, is probably the most important thing um, that, that would, I would be interested in researching and understanding what the, what the harm was um, long-term short-term for that, for that player. And obviously long-term now with, with that player's family generations later, and again, I think that's where you should start in terms of what is what's the correct path to accountability for somebody that that made a mistake and, and showed a failure of leadership uh, generations ago. Um, you know what? Who? Who? You know, if this was the court system, you know, what are the damages from the plaintiff? And do we agree that that this person is responsible for that? I think that there's a clear shortcoming of, of moral leadership from fielding yost you know but what is what is the harm what's the impact and and what does that person or that person's family and that person's legacy um really want in terms of accountability and retribution is there some compromise that that makes sense or is this the best uh solution you know it, it, it is it, 
I, I think that that's the right way to think about it. Now, I haven't had the ability to dig into those details and think about it at that level at the same way, so I wouldn't make a recommendation either way. But my, my initial thought of, again, taking the name off of a building, changing a, a name, um, is I, it, it feels short-sighted and, and um, a too simple I think it's too simple of a solution. I think that we should do the work to really understand the impact of what we're talking about and come up with the best possible solution. And if it includes removing the name, then then I can certainly understand that. I'm not uh, advocating for one position or the other at this point. I think if the whole process involves really understanding what the impacts were and you take that into consideration and, and hear those voices and give them uh, the platform that they need to, to be heard and then respect those those feelings, uh, then I think you've at least done the heavy lifting and what decision you make then uh, as a university or as an institution is, is much more understandable and respectable uh, regardless of which way it goes, whether I agreed with, with what you ended up coming to as a conclusion. So what was interesting to me is that Will Sward was no slouch as an athlete. Um, he actually beat Jesse Owens in a race at, ironically, Yost Fieldhouse, right? Um, and, uh, you know, took part in the Olympic trials. Now, um, he, he talks about that the uh, experience being, you know, told to stand down against Georgia Tech, um, you know, wasn't a great memory. But, you know, I think it's important. You know, he went on to be, uh, you know, went to law school and was a judge. You know, he, he had a really good career. And um, so, uh, again, you know, somebody who should be remembered and uh, definitely uh, is something that to take into account as they're, as they're moving forward. But, you know, Clint, what's interesting to me is, you know, um, I'm going to invoke John Bacon here. Um, you know, John Bacon calls, you know, athletics the front porch of the university, right? Gets a lot of attention, and uh, the university leverages it in many ways, right? I feel somewhat that athletics are being singled out here, okay? And, again, totally open to whatever they decide for whomever, okay? Um but, you know, I, I, I'm struck by the, uh, you know, Eufer's old saying, the hole that Yost dug, Canham carpeted, and Schembechler filled, that all three of those guys are, are, are paying a price, right? And while that, that price may be appropriate, one of the things that I think the university really needs to do, and, and, and I think this is, uh, you know, where I really come down on all this stuff is, Okay, yes, let's look at all the athletic names. But, you know, there are lots of names on campus, on buildings, that you may question whether they should be there, okay? So if if we're going to go through this exercise, you know, go go through the exercise. Don't stop at sports, okay? And, you know, there are there are buildings that are named after donors who, who are, who've, you know, pled guilty to felonies, right? There are um, companies that have done things that sponsor places that aren't, you know, have done bad things, right? So I think, um, you know, when I was thinking about what we do here, 
I was uh, I was reminded of the line from Hamilton. You know, if we fight in every if we fight in every revolution, where do we draw the line? Okay, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't look at buildings, but I think we need to think about where where we do stop, right? Because I don't think it should stop at athletics. Okay, um, you should look at you know the donors. You should look at so it can't be. Well, if you write a big enough check, we're not going to, we're, you know, you get your name on a building no matter what, right? And again, I think it comes back to your point of, hey, we should think about what we name things and, you know, what, why do we have statues? What are we really doing, right? So, um, so that's the thing. I think that I don't think we should let athletic be, athletics be a pinata. Um, you know, if these things really matter, then they should matter everywhere. And and that's kind of where I leave, um, you know, where we leave the, the, the topic of if Yoast should be renamed, um, what's going to happen to some of the other buildings and, you know, how we move forward from here. Y- yes. I mean, values um, should be strong enough that they hold up across departments. <laughs> So if it's if it's a strong enough value to to be passionate about it within the athletic department, then it should be applied across an entire you know public university as an institution. I think that that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but again, the names being removed or added or preserved or adjusted or um, you know the the paragraphs modified, I think if we get too zoomed in on those details then we've done ourselves and our community a disservice because the the name that's on the building and the person that that represents shouldn't be what's at the center of the conversation. It should be uh, what was the right thing to do, what happened to the people that were affected, and how can we support those people and honor their legacy at least on equal footing with, with the people that we're talking about. Um, and for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna start there and then work outward and and that includes like I've said, you know, challenging my own thought process on this whole thing. So, it's uh, it's been, it's been a it's been heavy, you know, um, just the last month or two thinking about these things. But again, I want to say you know thank you to you for you know being on the other end of a, of a nuanced conversation. Um, I know that there are things that we disagree on in here and, and being able to to talk about those reasonably and, um, you know, without, uh, you know, with, with a lot of respect is, is critical. And I think, you know, I wish I had done that in some of the conversations in the past that I had when other universities were being plagued by similar scandals. So um, lessons learned for me and, and hopefully I can teach, you know, my kids you know, how to, how to have these conversations and be better leaders as they grow up. I agree. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, very tough edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan with Clint Derringer, and as always, Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.